Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Welcome to Church in the Wild, everybody. My notes, my notes. All right, we're good. Don't do this now. Technology. Production, have you done this to me? <laughs> you notice who's not laughing is production. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Church in the Wild, uh, our f- grand finale, part five, not today. It's time to let the devil know not today. All right? Maybe tomorrow. No. Not now, not ever again. Awesome. Um, Church in the Wild. Uh, I'm super excited to, I'm going to start preaching a series called Reveal starting next week. So um, if you know somebody who needs to get better at talking to God and with God, bring them to church. Because what we're going to do is we're going to go through how to actually pray to God. Now, if you're brand new, this is perfect for you. Like, you're like, how do I talk to God? Is God here? Is God there? You know, like I talk to people all the time, like, I don't know how to talk to God. But there's also the person who's been supposedly talking to God or mostly talking to God for 10 or 20 years. And Jesus himself says to a group of professional prayers, y'all are doing it wrong. This is how you do it. And so there's going to be something that you can learn. Um, when my when I was younger, I my dad and I, our personality types are quite different from each other. And I remember one time my mom telling me, oh, if you need to talk to dad, let me coach you. <laughs> She's like, you're just way too spontaneous. You want an answer right now. That's not how he works. He can concentrate on the project that he's on, but his powers of concentration and focus are so great that what you need to do is you need to tell him, hey, can you come and, and look at this for me and, and show me how to do it whenever you have time in the next couple of hours? And it worked. He could finish his project, then he would come over and, oh my goodness, my relationship with my dad got better because I learned how to communicate to my dad. Now, isn't that the way the prayer is? Jesus is like, hey, I'll show you how to do it. He's my dad. I've been around him forever. I know how to talk to God. And when we talk to God, you actually have to talk to God according to God's filters because he values some things and he doesn't value other things that we might value too much. And so when you talk to God, you're not God, so we actually have to come to God on his terms. Now, let me ask you this. If you've been in the Christian game for a long time, how many of your prayers go unanswered? Let's learn how to talk to God. If you're brand new, this is going to be awesome. If you're just coming into a life with Christ, that you can actually pray and talk to God. Just like a conversation. It's going to be awesome. All right, reveal is next week, so bring a friend to that. Um, for our series, Church in the Wild, we've been, um, you know, we were pretty audacious. We took on a huge thing and said, who is church for anyways? Because everybody secretly thinks the church is for somebody. But today's sermon, not today, I want to ask you this. Have you ever stopped to think that church might be for you and your opposites? It might be for you and somebody who doesn't think like you at all. Church. Have you ever thought about that? It might be for your opposites. Have you ever thought that the best teams are sometimes made of opposites? Hmm. If you're married, you're sitting beside one right now. (laughs) There were some things that you shared that were similar, but then there were opposites. And the best teams are made out of opposites. Now, when you think about the story, you remember the prodigal son from last week? The prodigal son was the younger son, and you know, the younger kids always got problems, always got problems. But we also found out that the older son kind of had religious people problems, and both of them didn't really have the heart of their father. But I can't help but think to myself, you know what, when, 
It's one thing to come home, and there were people that came back to God last week and are going to come back to God this week, and that's a huge step, and I want to encourage you to take that. Welcome home. That's, you know, the father's standing at the door and like, welcome home. This is it. You know, you were made for this. But that's one step, but it's just the first step. What comes next is something that a lot of people don't do well and don't make it through and don't ever come to live fully in what God has for you, and that's how to actually make it work in the house of God. How to make it work with your opposite sometimes. How to make it last. Because when you get married, that's just day one. There's a lot of days after that that we have to learn how to communicate. We have to learn how to live with our opposites in a way that honors God. And as the prodigal son, the younger son, and the older son are starting to have to live together in the house of the father, I think that some adjustments needed to be made. Because the younger son, you've got to understand, he came back, and yeah, it's great, he has food, and he has clothing now, and he has safety. But what he doesn't have is the ability to sleep in until any time he wants to. My kids don't have an option to take out the trash. You actually have to learn how to live in church and live in the house of God. And the elder son, it's a good pairing because the opposites attract. You know, the younger son knew how to have fun. Like, mostly bad fun, but he knew how to have fun. The elder son knew how to work. And what a great combination that is. Opposites attract. I think about Mary and Martha in the Bible. You have uh, Mary who is like in the moment kind of a person. When Jesus was talking to her, she was like there and engaged. And Martha's making sure that lunch is made so that Jesus has something to eat after. And so does everybody else. Opposites attract. Can you live with your opposites? Because if you don't learn how to do that, what will happen is you'll start expecting everybody to be exactly like you. Now, whether you're a church person or not, I'm kind of talking in a church culture here right now to church people about church, church in the wild. But in business, it's the same way. Do you really appreciate your opposites? I wonder if you do. I mean appreciate them, not tolerate them. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference when we learn how to appreciate and love. Uh, tolerance is not necessarily love. Appreciate. I don't mean you have to appreciate everything about your boss, but I mean there should be some things that because you're opposites that you actually appreciate about your brothers and your sisters. Opposites that you appreciate that you realize God put them in my life to bring something to me that I don't bring to the table. How to live with your opposites. I think most church splits that happen, if you don't come from church, you don't know that this happens sometimes. People start fighting and then you have this faction, you have that faction. I think most of the factions have to do with you're not exactly like me. I want more of this. The music is too loud. The music is too quiet. Do you, do you live with your opposites? Well, I wonder. And what you do is you surround yourself with like-minded people, but maybe what we should be doing is seeking out opposite-minded people to bring us something that we can't get any other place. Just a thought. Proverbs chapter 27 says this. As, uh, as you use steel to sharpen steel... Um, I think I lost half of my notes here. But it says, as steel sharpens steel, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Can we put that on? Okay, you use steel to sharpen steel. I lost some of this in my notes production. I'm going to blame you even though you have no access to my notes. You use steel to sharpen steel as one friend sharpens another. Huh. You use steel to sharpen steel as one friend sharpens another. Think about somebody in your life right now that there's a conflict with. Have you ever stopped to think, Hey God, thank you for the conflict. They obviously don't see something the way that I see it. There's something that I can learn here. And there's something that's in this for me from you, God, actually. But our tendency is to feel threatened by the very opposites that God has given us. What if we learn to trust them? 
just an idea. In our, um, who's a venue groups during week? Come on, who's a venue groups? We had a great time of venue groups. If you're not in a group, you need to go and uh, hook up at the box office and, and find a group that's going to suit you well. We meet during the week, uh, Wednesdays, just saying. Wednesdays, just saying. Wednesdays, just saying. <laughs> and what we did here is we did NXT part two, which is kind of all about venue and how it works. And uh, uh, what we did was we went on this lab to find out what your personality is and what your spiritual gifts from God are. Because we think that is called by design. We think that how you are designed is how your destiny will be fulfilled. But 87% of people never find out how they're made, how they're designed by God. You weren't an accident. God made you a certain way. He made you exact. He knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. The trouble is you're looking over the fence at your neighbor at your opposite and saying, why can't I be good at that? What they're good at. And they're looking at you saying, why can't I be good at that? And so what, what happens is uh, we found out our spiritual giftings. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. And I think the best way that I could illustrate opposites before I get into our scriptures today, and I don't have like a lot of scripture today, so I'm going to take a little more time on the, on the front end here. But I think the best way to do that, to get us to a place where we can actually stay and make it work in the family, is that we have to learn to appreciate our opposites. What an interesting thought. Not to make our opposites exactly like us, but to appreciate them the way that God wants us to. And I thought, you know, um, people were asking, well, what are your spiritual gifts, Pastor? And, and, and Pastor Aaron, what are her spiritual gifts? And so I thought this would be, kind of be a good way to show you that there are a lot of things similar about us, but in our spiritual gifting, there's a lot of things that aren't similar about us, which we end up fighting about most of the time. <laughs> but together, we do pretty well. Erin's uh, spiritual gift, her number one spiritual gift, is the gift of mercy. Um, the gift of mercy. Have you have you have you met Pastor Aaron? She just there's just something about her that just exudes love and acceptance, and mercy. She can come alongside somebody, and she also has an, a, a gift of exhortation and teaching, and so she can come alongside of you, and kick you in the butt, and you'll feel good about it. You'll be like, I really love Pastor Aaron. She really helped sort me out. There's something about a mercy-motivated person that, that just pulls, they're just on the same emotional wavelength as you are. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, mercy on my spiritual giftings, like it might as well not even been a question on the test. <laughs> because it was hovering around the zero. That's not my spiritual gift at all is mercy. I don't feel other people's pain when I'm, when I'm talking to them. It's different. And I'll explain how the opposites actually work. Now, this whole time that we're doing this, you think about somebody that you're in conflict with right now, and I'll bet you by the end of this sermon, God will show you a different way how to think and feel about that person. And I'll bet you the things that frustrate you and the things that are driving you crazy by the end of the service will be the things that bless you the most. So my spiritual gifting is, um, is leader. Um, so leadership, administration, they kind of lump um, leaders and managers into one there. So leadership, that would be me. I kind of, that's who I am. But also uh, number two is um, prophetic or uh, perceiver, I think it's called, right? Yeah? Per- prophecy and perceiver. And then number three would be exhortation and teaching. They're kind of my uh, tied for, for third place here. So I'm not like a teaching pastor. I'm more of a preaching pastor. And um, for you to understand how this works, um, the prophetic part or the perceiver part. Uh, before I got out of the lobby last week, I had four or five people tell me, how did you know to preach that this week? That spoke exactly to me. To which I replied, I'm not a genius, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm not creeping you out in your rooms. I don't have video cameras in your house. I don't know. 
And four or five people told me that before I got out of the lobby last week. Why? Because it was a prophetic type of a sermon. That is a gift from the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives me. I couldn't, I'm not smart enough to figure out a way to the four or five people that are so different from each other, going through very different things in life. I'm not smart enough to be able to preach a sermon that speaks that way, that specifically to all of you. It's, a, it's always a surprise to me, but I like it because it's a gift of God. Now, when I'm operating in my gifting, things work well. When Erin is operating in her gifting, things work well. Now, as I looked at Pastor Erin's test, I noticed that she had her test, she had high in prophecy written up, the, the first edition of her test. And I'm like, that's not you, baby. <laughs> See, when I bring correction to a situation, most people hate me for it. <laughs> I'm not mercy motivated, man. I'm not like on the same emotional wavelength. Um, but I'm like, no, no, you're much more mercy motivated. And she knew that already. But then into exhortation and teaching, which I think is more accurate with her. Now, here's the beauty about that is she's working with the children right now. So I can basically say whatever I want because she's not here. No, 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 I can't because y'all are on her side. No matter what I would say, you'd be on her side emotionally. Just quit clapping. Do not clap for that. Yeah, you do not love me. You love her. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. No, we all love Pastor Aaron. But it's funny that she can like get right down to a, a kid's emotional level, and she's just eyeball to eyeball, and she can actually teach them something. Now, if I was in children's ministry, we'd have the time of our lives, and when you came to pick them up, I wouldn't know where they were. How many kids? Oh, wow. Uh... There was a lot more like a couple of minutes ago. I don't know where they went. Does anybody know where they went? Like, but we'd have the time of our lives. Whoever's left, we'd have an amazing time. <laughs> Pastor and um, uh, a family from church who, who's kind of brand new and brand new to church came over and uh, Pastor Ann's like, yeah, you know what? The, the adults don't even do actions during the worship. They don't even do actions. And the kids are just looking at me like, what is wrong with you? You don't even do actions during, I'm like, yeah, well, we kind of put our hands up a little bit. It's like little, you know, sometimes we clap, like it's little actions. And the kids are like, man, adults worship experience, man. Like, I'm like, you're right. You know what? Kids worship at Genesis is way funner than adults worship. I'm not going to lie. It's a dance party every week. But I'm just thinking, watch how that works. Watch how her, her gifting works. And you know what? If your kids are in Sunday school, thank the teachers and thanks to Sunday I mean, look, my kids are in there, and I just love that the Sunday school teachers are teaching them to love Jesus. I absolutely love that. I mean, teaching kids that religion is boring and Jesus is boring, that is a sin, and we don't do that here. Jesus is exciting. It's the biggest adventure of your life. But watch how the giftings work together. Now, Pastor Aaron can come alongside you and walk with you emotionally because she actually feels what it is that you're feeling. But I was thinking about this, that different pieces and you're thinking about you and you're thinking about your spouse or your friend or your brother or your sister and you're thinking yeah you know what that is you know what I am good at this and they're good at that and I wonder if I've been appreciating them that way because living with my wife is a beautiful thing because she's just okay with life and I need somebody like that because I've never been okay for a minute in my life I'm not okay I want to do more I want to do better. I want to reach people. If 10 people, if we baptize 10 people, I want to baptize 20 people. I'm constantly moving and shifting. But you know what? To live like that, it's like a, uh, an engine that's just like ripping a hole <laughs> in the, under the hood of a car. It's just like this. And Erin's just okay with life. She's just okay. She can feel what I'm feeling. She's just good with it. And she's good if nothing happens. And she's good if something happens. And it drives me crazy 
but it's good for me. You see what I'm, it took me two years when we got married to like, I'm like, where do you want to go to eat? And she's like, I don't know. I don't care. And I'm like, <sighs> no, for reals. Like, just tell me. I don't care. Just tell me. She's like, two years later, I found out she doesn't care. <laughs> Chinese, hamburger, she don't care. It's all the same to her. She's, and I realized, oh, well, that's good for me, though, because I always care, so I get what I want most of the time. No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I care. But sometimes I'm just like, it's a little too much, and it's always out there, and it's always, you know, here's the beautiful thing about a mercy-motivated person that's a little bit different than me because each person has a different cross to bear if you follow Christ. Like, your pain will look different than your neighbor's pain. And so, um, so Pastor Aaron, nobody has ever woken up one morning and thought to themselves, you know what? I really, really hate Pastor Aaron. I know you're shocked because you're actually mad at me right now. Don't you? It's a sermon. I'm just working it out. See, but that's not her cross to bear is that intense, you know, love or hatred of people in that sense. Why? Because she's emotionally on the same level as you and you just wouldn't do that. But people, do people hate me sometimes? <laughs> they do. Well, I know. But li listen, our, our job in the church is different. Right? And so my job is more of like the job of a surgeon. Now, you don't want a surgeon who's emotionally engaged with the person sitting on the right. table. <laughs> you know, you, I mean, you don't want that. Just like, oh, this is going to hurt. I just, oh. <laughs> if you don't make it through this, like your kids, and then you start sobbing, and like that is not who you want. <laughs> just like not really all that sharp and focused and like, no, but hey, man, if I'm praying and we're doing intercession, we need to get you free, let's get you free. And it's going to hurt, but who cares? Let's get you free. <laughs> we, got, we got a window of time. It's like when a gunshot person, you know, gunshot wound comes in, we got an ER doc here. Like, you want him in your corner, but he's not going to sit there and cry. He's going to deal with it to save your life. But see, with the surgeons, you, you save a lot, but you also lose a few too because you're in that moment in a person's life where they're going to turn to God or turn the other way. And that's my job in the body of Christ and that prophet and perceiver because somehow the Holy Spirit can use a kind of a general word or a word over here to get right to you and you feel it, don't you? You feel it and it, it's a gift. I love it. I'm surprised by it. But see, Pastor Aaron is more like the physical therapist that teaches you to walk again. Now, if I'm doing that, like no mercy over a long period of time, Oh, come on, just stand on it. Like, flop, down. Come on. Oh, try harder. <laughs> this is taking way too long. We just got to, we got seven minutes. Let's learn how to walk again, right? But it's different in the body of Christ. Now, think about your gift that somebody needs that you're withholding from your church family because you wish that you were someone else. And when I'm operating in my gifting, it goes well and I'm energized. But when I don't, it takes a lot of energy and we don't go anyplace. I spent a counseling session last night with, uh, with a person who just wanted it straight. Oh, I love that, right? But a week ago, I had a counseling session with a very different type of person who's mercy motivated. And oh my goodness, it took 15 or 20 minutes in just a very different way that we went about it. And by the time I was done, I felt like I'd, I'd been like boxing in a ring for like 12 rounds. I was exhausted. It's not really my gifting. Now, it's not like I can't do that. The Holy Spirit helps me in those moments, and I needed to do that, and I love to do that, but it's just like, it's not my gifting. Now, Aaron could handle that in a heartbeat. It'd be easy for her. When we operate in our giftings, we do well, but when we cross over, we start getting in trouble. And so, if you want to learn how to talk to me, you know, don't catch me three minutes before worship experience when I'm putting out ten fires so that you can have a worship experience, 
and corner me and then want to tell me a very long story about, you know, your cousin's hamster who's got a cough. <laughs> like on a good day, I don't care about that. <laughs> I don't even know what a hamster is. Like hamsters, gerbils, they're kind of small and fuzzy, right? Like, but when I'm in that mode, like don't distract me because I have to. Now, if you want, if you want somebody to feel what you're feeling about your, ha your cousin's hamster with a cough, talk to Aaron. She'll cry. And you'll feel great, and you'll go into a worship experience and be open to the Holy Spirit. But you see what I'm saying? You go to different people for different things, and you don't go one person for everything. That's the beauty about the body of Christ. When you do your little hamster cough thing, <laughs> you know, like to me, I'll just be like, I don't care, man. I don't care about hamsters. Right now, I don't, I don't feel anything about hamsters. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing in there. <laughs> First Corinthians 12 says, says this, if the body was all eye, how could it hear? Paul is saying this, if all ear, how could it smell? I'm going to be talking about, about Paul and Barnabas today. As it is, he goes on to say, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. It's interesting, though, that the eye and ear are kind of close to each other, but they do very different things. If we're competing with each other, but we're not utilizing each other's gifts, now why is it that we're so, we're so proud that we can't go to somebody with a way better track record about a certain type of situation? Perceiver. I can perceive what's going on behind the scenes probably with very little information. It's just a gift from God. Now, a mercy-motivated person doesn't do that. A mercy-motivated person says yes to whoever's in front of them. It's a beautiful thing, and their hearts are massive, but there are times when I need to protect that, and there are times when she needs to be able to do what I can't do. And when we cross over and start to compete with each other, then we start wanting them to be like us, then we miss a massive part in the body of Christ, and we miss your gift, because you're busy wishing that you were someone else, when God wants you to wish that you were you. When God calls people together, this is how I think that it is. It's like two blocks of wood that are dissimilar from each other, but the adhesive between them. Um, have you ever done this with like a strong carpenter's adhesive, like wood glue? Have you ever glued two, two blocks of wood to each other? Wait till it cures and then try to take it apart and see what happens. Now in a marriage, this is the way that it was, and I'm not ragging on anybody if you have a failed relationship or anything. I, I know that God can heal. I know that God can, can redeem uh, the relationships. I, I understand all that. I'm not making light of that, but you know that what happens when things break apart is that that adhesive actually, you actually, have you ever done that with the blocks of wood? It actually tears the wood itself. The adhesive is stronger than the wood. And what happens is you tear pieces off of each piece of wood. And it's interesting that we need to be able to tell the devil, like, not today. We're not going to tear apart what God has put together. Because when you do that, you leave a piece of yourself there. And your destiny is not just tied to your people. It is tied to your opposites. And we need to appreciate the people in our lives. Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 15. And I don't have a lot of scripture today. I'm glad you didn't say amen to that. That's probably good. <laughs> um, because there's a couple of things that I want to um, read you after this. But it says, Paul and Barnabas, now I'll give you the history of this after the text. Can I do that? Uh, Acts chapter 15. So I'm just going to go into a bit of a teaching moment here. So like my third and fourth are coming up here. We'll teach a little bit and then we'll get back into preaching. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. 
But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark owed disagreement. That's how you know how your unity is doing. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp in church, uh-huh, was so sharp. If you're new to church, you don't know the church people fight. Oh, we're super good at it. We're better at it than minor hockey. We're better at politics. <laughs> but it's not the way that God meant it to be. He says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul took chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Now let me show you in a very practical text how this worked out. Because Barnabas' name actually means son of encouragement. Barnabas was a heart guy. Barnabas was a heart guy. Barnabas' mercy gift was way up there. He had a massive heart for people. And John Mark was a young man, and Paul and Barnabas are going to go on another trip. And what happened was that as they were talking about going here, Barnabas, because John Mark is right there, right in front of him. You remember, a mercy-motivated person says yes to the person right in front of them. And Barnabas is like, well, we tried it before, but it didn't work, and I want to give him another chance. That's the thing about a hard person. Like, let's just give a person another chance here. But Paul disagreed for some reason and said, you know what, I don't know that he's maybe going to be up for this because he's still a young man and he kind of blew it the first time and I don't know that he's ready yet or mature enough yet to go on this trip because maybe you don't know about Paul the Apostle, but when he would go to spread the gospel, people would try to kill him. And it was not easy being a companion of Paul and maybe John Mark left the first trip because he was afraid for his own life. But when you're traveling in circumstances and hostile environments, you have to know your team. And John Mark was the weak link in the team before, and Paul's, as the leader, he's just like, you know what, I just don't think that this is going to work out well for him or for us, and I need to make a hard decision. It's going to be hard for him emotionally right now, but might save his life. But see, Barnabas was a hard guy. Now, let me take you back to their spiritual giftings and their giftings. I keep saying spiritual. If you're not a church person, you have a gift from God that he wants you to discover. In a, in a church setting, we call them spiritual gifts. But your personality is also a gift as well, and you'll start, it'll, it'll make sense to you um, in a way that you can uh, think about it. But see, how many people remember how Saul of Tarsus, who was also named Paul, uh, became a Christ follower? He used to persecute the church because Saul of Tarsus, or Paul, I'm just going to call him Paul. Can we do that? Because when he got saved and gave his life to Christ, then he his name also changed to, to Paul. And so before that, he was Saul, and sometime after that, he became Paul. And so I'm doing good in my teaching gift, aren't I? I'm bringing it all up now. And so what, what happened was that on his, the road to Damascus, he was going there to drag men and women, Christians, Christ followers, and put them in jail and take them back to Jerusalem and put them in, in jail because whatever Paul did, he was all in to it. And on the road to Damascus, see, because Paul was a hammer in the rest of his life. And, and when you have a strong personality, when God breaks you, he's got to use a hammer to break you. And that's what happened in Saul's conversion. But immediately after uh, Saul got saved and, and his name, you know, he eventually turned to Paul. I'm just getting so distracted with that Paul and Saul thing. I'm just going to call him Paul. When Paul got saved, he immediately starts preaching in the synagogues in Damascus. And maybe you don't know the story, but he was, they tried to kill him. Because there was something about Paul that made you either love him or hate him, but feel nothing in the middle. 
because he was confronting all of the things that he used to believe in other people that were leading them away from Jesus, and he was confronting them, and that's the type of person that he was. He was very prophetic. He just knew how to get in there at the real reason behind the other reasons. And you want a prophetic person who can cut through the noise and tell you what's really going on underneath all that stuff that you've been suffering your entire life. You need the body of Christ because we have that sort of gifting here. And so Paul, I mean, he would just, there would be cut to the heart, and then the religious people, never the, never the unbelievers, hated Paul. Did you notice that? Not really. <laughs> it was always the church people who managed to hate the Apostle Paul, and they tried to kill him on his first preaching gig. He gets saved, he starts preaching. That's what he does. He's just that kind of a guy. Then he goes to Jerusalem. Now, this is very interesting here because while Paul was busy um, pulling people and sending them to jail, and he actually agreed with killing and making a martyr of one of the early disciples, and Paul was there. And he actually gave his support to that. He was like a co-murderer with a, a mob that murdered a man named Stephen. And while he was doing all these nasty, dreadful things to the name of Jesus, Barnabas was one of the best disciples in Jerusalem. Barnabas was like a leader in the church. And he goes back to Jerusalem after his road to Damascus, and the church won't accept him. Because you wouldn't. <laughs> like, what? Who? No, we know him. No, we don't want him preaching in church. Heck no. It's a trick. It's a trap. But Barnabas, watch the mercy gift. He pulls Paul in, and he uses his own name and his own reputation, takes Paul to the Jerusalem church and the disciples. That's a mercy gift. He brings Paul in and introduces them to, to the disciples. And he's like, you accept him as you accept me. I'm giving him my credentials now. I believe that what happened in him was real because I can see his heart. And that's the beautiful thing about that. Now, now, when Paul and Barnabas first started associating, how many people know that, that who's in charge is a lot of the conflict? <laughs> Canadian society, you're not allowed to put your hand up because people think that you're in charge, and I get it. <laughs> but who's in charge? You get married, who's in charge? Well, who's in charge of what? Well, that's not equality. Uh, yeah, somebody's gotta be in charge of a company. Somebody's gotta be in charge in the car. <laughs> Who's in charge? Who's making the decisions? Who has the right to do what? And most of our fighting has to do with that. And we start getting in competition with people who are our opposites and who's in charge. Now, see, when they first got together, now a changing work situation, changing family situation, this is what I'm speaking into now. When they first got together, Barnabas was obviously in charge. And his name would appear first in the text, but as time went on, year after year after year, all of a sudden, Paul's name starts appearing first because it turns out that Paul's gifting was greater and was supposed to do something that Barnabas' gifting never could. But listen, no Barnabas, no Paul. No Barnabas, Paul's gonna get bitter and angry because he won't be accepted by the very, very people that he was con who converted him. No Paul, no Barnabas. And so what, what we find here is this mix, and for years and years it was working well until one day there's a disagreement over a heart issue. Now, Paul was, was in charge at this point, and Paul, from a leader, uh, here, here's a beautiful thing. Parents, you don't have to do it on your own, because when you become a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit who can help you lead and anoint you to lead. And the Holy Spirit can whisper in your ear things that are really going on in your child's life that you have no way of knowing. You're not in this by yourself. You have other gifts in the body of Christ who can help you raise a child that you don't know how to deal with. And so, but this here was a heart 
issue. And a person who's a heart kind of a leader tends to have kids that are a little bit wild or a little bit irresponsible, like John Mark, or just a little bit young and a little bit immature. And here's an issue here where all of a sudden Paul's, and when you sit in the number one chair, your decisions, I know you think you're smarter than your boss, but if you sat in your boss's chair, the decisions she's making would make a lot more sense to you, <laughs> no matter what you think. And so here we have this weird little situation where Barnabas wants to say yes to John Mark so that his feelings are preserved, but maybe his life won't be preserved because that's not the best decision. And Paul's like, we're not in the ER now, but we might be in a couple of weeks. And if he makes the wrong move there, the whole mission could be over and our lives could actually be over. We can't do that. And so Paul makes the decision. And then it says something very interesting that Barnabas kind of, it looks like he got mad and took his ball and went home because he took John Mark and went on a different trip. And Paul was commended by the believers, it says. And so it, it, the feeling here in the text is like, Paul went to the church and he's like, hey, am I good? Are we good? Can you pray for me so that we go? And with the support of the church, he went because that's very, very important. But Barnabas, it looks like he kind of took Mark and went. Just got mad and he left. He made an emotional decision when he shouldn't have made an emotional decision. And that is the last time that we hear about Barnabas in the Bible. You never see his name again. I wonder if his destiny was tied to his opposite. I wonder when he tore away if he left most of his destiny there. Now I'm sure that God did something good in Barnabas's life, but the thing is, if they were together once, when you tear a block of wood apart and part of the wood goes on either side, the only way it can fit back together is with the same one. Have you ever done that? You've torn, we got no woodworkers here, no practical people. When something tears, you can glue it, and it actually fits back to the same, as fractured as it is, it actually fits back there. And the glue is actually a better, a be of better strength than the wood itself is. And it's funny that later on in Paul's ministry, he says to somebody else, like, bring John Mark with you, because he'll be of use to me. He's ready now. He can hang out with me, but where I hang out, it's tough. And he had nothing against John Mark. It was just a leadership decision that he had to make in that situation. And I wonder how many times we resent when God has sent us gifts that are trying to help us make the best decision, not for the moment, but for tomorrow. Brian Houston, um, anybody ever heard of Hillsong Church? <laughs> Brian Houston says this in something entitled, My Spirit, My Responsibility. He said, I believe in divine partnerships, that God connects people together for kingdom purpose. Did you know that there are people you are called to do life with and whose destinies are connected to yours? Do you attend your church, he says, because you like the pastor, the worship, or the children's ministry? The best reason to go to church is because you believe God has connected you as a partner. You can church shop, but I don't think that works. Are you a partner? Are you an owner? Hmm. Are you an owner in your family? You just show up for, you see what I'm saying? It's a different mentality. Membership is not about signing a form, but about having a spirit that understands the power of partnership and equal contribution. Partnership makes everyone look better than they are. We're better together, he says. One of the most important partnerships in your life is with your spouse, which is why the decision of who to marry is so important. 
Never underestimate the importance and power of the people God puts in your life. In Acts 13, it is clear that God set apart Barnabas and Paul specifically to work together. And it says, as the apostles ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, listen, they were put together by God. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Pastor Brian says, after a while, Barnabas and Saul had a disagreement and ended up going their separate ways. Even though God had joined them in partnership, we have no idea what happened to Barnabas after that because the Bible never speaks of him again. Perhaps he underestimated the power of partnership. Negative attitudes, such as pride or unforgiveness, affect the way we view the partnerships in our life. I've seen people, he says, start to feel as though everyone is just living off their gift and everything is about them. Sadly, they found out the hard way that it wasn't as much about them as they thought. <laughs> you ever found that out the hard way? Second Corinthians 6 says, and he goes on, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does that mean? It's true we should not be yoked with unbelievers, but even worse is being yoked to an unbelieving believer. That's the Christian who says, oh yes, I believe, but when it comes to actually trusting God and putting him first in their lives, they're always dragging the chain. Then he says, who are your them? When it comes to the partnerships in your life, are you equally yoked? A right spirit towards partnership means that we are in this together. If you understand the power of working together in God-ordained partnerships, you will see his blessing and his kingdom purpose outworked in your life. Does that sound good? Thank you, Pastor Brian Houston. Um, I want to I read an email that one of my, he doesn't know that I'm doing this because he probably wouldn't let me. He's production. You can't, what are you going to do now? I got the, I got a, oh, hold on, I got a microphone, but there's a soundboard back there that kind of makes that work. <laughs> I want to read something that he wrote to me. I'm sure that as he was writing this, he was thinking to himself, you know, should I even bother with this? Like, Pastor Corey's strong. And this is from a, a time in our lives when, when we, um, my dad pastored a church that most, the launch team, a lot of us went to for quite a while. And so we have a little bit of history here that you can feel. And so um, in, in, the backstory is that we had a production team there, and I was um, a volunteer there, like a lot of our people are here, and I was working um, in the trades during the time, and, and uh, Darcy had, had given his life to Christ and started coming with, with Tiffany and the family, and, um, and uh, we had a production team that Darcy was not in charge of, and he's not in charge of the production team now. I love how they work together with each other. He's like, we disagree with each other all the time, but I get that Layden's in charge, and we do it the way that he needs it done. And then sometimes he rips off my ideas and says that they're his ideas, but they were really my ideas. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's a leader's job. That's called delegation. <laughs> but it's interesting that during this time, um, the head of our production team in the church, um, part of my job as the associate pastor or whatever I was at the time, part of my job, even in a volunteer role, was to bring a little bit of correction because that's who I am a leader with a prophetic edge and a, and a teacher and exhorter. And there was something that was happening and coming down the pipe towards his family that was going to hurt. And I could see it coming and the Holy Spirit was talking to me about it. And so I tried to speak into it as gently as I could, but he got mad about it. And then I believe in the church. Now, because he had a leadership role and I, we had put him into leadership probably a little bit early for his character. Um, can I just be real in church? Yeah. A little bit early for his character. Um, it was probably our mistake, but you know, you give everybody a shot at it. And, and, um, and I knew that he'd been talking to some of the other production guys, and Darcy was one of them. Now, Darcy hadn't been a Christian for very long. And so he leaves the church. I know that there's kind of gossip, and there's stuff going on behind the scenes. You didn't know this happened in church, but people are people. And so he was kind of doing that, and I was discouraged. I was kind of down, and I don't get down that often, and I was down. 
Right about this time, I get an email from Darcy. Now, this email, I think that Darcy used up. I'm going to read this email, and Tiffany's going to be like, you said how much to him? That's more than you said to me all year. <laughs> he sat down on his computer, and he wrote me something that I needed to hear. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. We're not here to play church. We're here to live church. He said, hey, Corey, I just want to let you know that my family and I are always going to be here. I see tough times ahead, and things are probably going to get messy, as I've heard the news. I want you to know that you have our full support and nothing. And then he puts in brackets, unless I become a soccer fan by accident, <laughs> will make us feel like leaving. I love English soccer and Liverpool, and so should you. And uh, now he did become a soccer fan kind of by accident. He started cheering for Arsenal, which has to be by accident. It just has to be by accident. <laughs> you can see the production sense of humor in this. He said, he said to me, we're all in this together, and just because things get tough from time to time, it doesn't mean that we just give up and walk away. I was nothing and no one. This is what you remember in times. He's like, I was called to you. I was called with you. I was called here. I was saved here. It matters. He said, I was nothing and no one until I found a home at Venue, and I have had nothing but support and love ever since. Things will get hard. Things will get painful, but so what? That's life. With God, anything is possible, and I am forever grateful for everything I have and for what I have become because of God and his love. I never would have gotten that or experienced what I have now without the love and support of this church. This is a largely a product of my mother and father and the church that, that they pastor. Our family thanks you, and we all love you and your family and everything we have, all because your family was selfless enough. He's talking about my family and mom and dad, our family because your family was selfless enough to decide that you all wanted to share the love God has for you with people to experience that same feeling. It has meant so much to myself and my family that we also decided we wanted to get involved to help you share the word and love of God and have never regretted it or looked back since. Never have I felt, this is all the words in a year, man, for Darcy. And he gave them all to me. I needed it, though. I really needed it. Never, you feel the things that you feel back then, right? Never have I felt like the things I do in the church were for nothing, because that's what the other guy was saying. Oh, I did all this, and it was not, I wasn't appreciated. And Darcy's like, but I never did it for y'all anyways. I did it for Jesus. It wasn't wasted. No, it wasn't wasted. And he goes, and even though I feel I don't do much, maybe he wasn't doing much then, but we're doing a bit now. <laughs> he said, I realize I'm a piece in a puzzle that completes an entire picture. That picture is God, and it's helping you to have the tools you need to spread his word. I'm more than happy to be doing everything I do and more to help you with his mission. I want you to know that we are here always and that we will be here through good and bad. We will never, ever give up. God has given us the strength to fight the battle. When things get tough, we don't just lie down or run away. We face it head on. And with God by our side, we will triumph over evil. We will triumph in our homes. We will, in our lives and in our church. This is like Martin Luther King to me at the time. I have a dream. <laughs> I was like, God, I need a dream. We will triumph in our homes, in our lives, and in our church. The church is our sanctuary, our castle, our everything, and we'll protect it from evil. We will stand beside you and your family to protect everything your family has worked so hard to build, and we will continue to work beside you to keep building stronger and stronger. If there was ever a doubt in your mind that you needed to try and convince us not to leave, then you need not worry about us. Save your strength for someone who needs saving. As we have been saved by you and your family, and for that we are forever grateful. We are here for you as you've been here for us. Thank you for everything. There's my, there's my son of encouragement right there.
And I'm going to be honest, I don't know if there would be a venue church in Airdrie. And I don't think there would be a venue church wherever we go as God expands our ministry. I don't know without that email if we'd be doing this. Um, something happened to Darcy. You got time for just two more minutes? He, um, something happened. Something happened in his life because he stayed and wrote something like that. Um, in, his, in his first relationship, I mean, he comes from a mess. And in his first relationship, he had a daughter. And he's been having problems with custody issues. For, for He'd been having problems for years and with our Leah, our little Leah. And uh, having problems with custody for years. And um, she lets him know one day that she's moving to the Maritimes and taking Leo and deal with it, you know. So he's like, oh, it's another court fight and it's more lawyers and it's more and it's more. And, it's. and he said, he came to me one day and I remember this and he came to me and he said, you know what? I feel like the Holy Spirit said that I should let Leah go with her. And Darcy's a fighter. He wouldn't do it. Not because not it's easy. It was hard for him to do that. And he said, I feel like I need to let her go because I don't want her to grow up being torn in two all the time. And I just feel like that's, it's not for everybody, but it's what the Holy Spirit is telling me. What do you think? That's a good thing to ask your pastor, not just like, hey, here, this is what the Holy Spirit thinks. Uh, sometimes, yeah. But you know what? I felt inside as hard as it was. I just knew it was because it was just hard. And I just, I'm like, yeah, you know what? If that's what you felt, then we'll support you, man. We'll do whatever we, whatever we can. I don't even know how you're going to do it. And you know, every night he goes to bed like afraid that he's making the wrong decision and dealing with pain and dealing with fear. But he, he did it because he did it for God. And he obeyed God. And he wouldn't have had me to come to if he would have left when the other guy left. And he wouldn't have had the support of the family that I don't know if the family would make it through something. That's hard. That's hard. And a few weeks ago, kind of when school was starting up here, he gets a call saying, I'm bringing Leah back. You can have her. Now that, that is a miracle. That is something that you can't think your way into or fix. That is the Holy Spirit of God. And what I want to say to you is he gave me a gift that I think the Holy Spirit just returned on that day. He gave me a gift of encouragement that got me up the next morning, got me moving again, got me, it's okay, forgive, forgive, let it go, let it go. It's not personal, just let it go. It was personal, but let it go, let it go. And what I want to say is there's a gift inside of you that you're holding to yourself because you're waiting to get all right and you're waiting to get all fixed and you're waiting to not be you but you're you. And I wonder how many times has Darcy sat down to type that up to me? How many times the devil was just like, he doesn't need that. He's strong. He doesn't need you. You've only been saved for a little bit. You're not like him. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. But somewhere along the way, he said, not today, devil. I'm going to do this because God wants me to use this to help my pastor out. Not today, devil. And you know what? When I won, he won. But then when he won, I won too. And when Leah comes home, we all won because we're his family. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person here that you would open their eyes to their gift. And sometimes it's not apparent yet because we haven't really been using it much because we've been so jealous of somebody else's gift and we've been so busy fighting with somebody else to get them to see life from our point of view that we haven't really been able to open our gift. And Holy Spirit, I pray that we would say today, you know what? We have been sitting down in silence or we've been sitting down in depression or we've been sitting down in anger. Or we've been sitting down in jealousy. Or we've been sitting down and not realizing that you gave us a gift. And when we don't bring it to the house of God, when we don't bring it to our family, when we don't bring it to our business, it doesn't happen. 
And there's a huge gap there that is shaped exactly like us. And Father, I pray for every person listening to the sound of my voice, online, anywhere, driving to work, I pray for every person listening to the sound of my voice that, that you would show them, no, you have a gift and we need you. If Venue Church is your church, we need your gift here because it's not the same without you. And someday you're gonna be able to do something that matters, but right now you just need to help the person right in front of you with what you've got. Thank you, Lord. I pray that this week somebody would see themselves in a new light and see their opposites in a new light and understand that our destiny is tied to our people. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.